high society Scooby. <laughs> no, Evan, I, don't, don't you have a bit you want to try for this intro? Oh, oh, oh. Scooby and Shaggy do. Won't you get a clue? Oh, Scooby and Shaggy do. <laughs> Shaggy do? What? <laughs> We're talking about, obviously, Evan and I are imitating the bourgeoisie, the bourgeoisie. Uh, the bur- the bur- the as, uh, as they like to say. My favorite color is burgoys. Like burquoise? Tur- turquoise? Wait. Oh boy. <laughs> can we- can we do- redo this intro too? No, 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 no. This is- <laughs> No, you gotta reset. I didn't. <laughs> uh, we're here to talk about Shaggy and Sco- Scooby-Doo get a clue. Now, Evan, would you say this is the greatest Scooby-Doo series ever made? No, that obviously goes to- I was gonna say some a joke, uh, but it is Be Cool Scooby Doo. I think we both like Be Cool Scooby Doo a lot. I think that it's hard to argue with that. I would put this on the very bottomest rung of Scooby Doo series. Yeah, yeah, it's rough. Yeah, rough around the edges and the center and the in between. It's it's so rough um, that we only recap this every sixteen episodes. We can only take. bring ourselves, and every time we do it, we think, shouldn't we be done with this show already? Didn't we do all of it? No. Listeners, we've only done two episodes. This is episode three, Scooby High, High Scooby Society. Um, I don't think it's an exaggeration when I say that. It will take us over a decade to recap this show. And I think we will still be doing it too frequently for comfort. Like, I think we're only doing like three episodes a year. We're really psyching our listeners up for this episode. But that said, I am very excited to talk to you about this, Evan. It's interesting. There is a lot to discuss about this show, more than other series of Scooby-Doo in some ways. Do you want to read the premise, and then we'll play them our lovely theme song? I do. It's Season 1, Episode 3 of Shaggy and Scooby-Doo Get a Clue. Again, the episode is High Society Scooby. The premise? When Dr. Phineas Fives decides to kidnap three world-famous inventors from a high-society country club, Scooby and Shaggy-Doo must join the club to protect them. That's the premise. And now, if you'll uh, stick with us... If you'll stick with us, the Scooby-Dudes... The Scooby-Dudes will tell you who we are. Uh, I, of course, am Evan. Of course. And and I, of course, am Sir Luke of Doty. Oh! Oh, Evan. I can't do it. I, I don't know how you're... Uh, I think you need to go from, like, kind of high falsetto down to, like, very gravelly oh. low. Is that better? Yeah, oh, that's good. And you really oh. make your mouth kind of cavernous on the low. Oh. <laughs> make your mouth a, a cave. cave, yeah. <laughs> As if it's full um, of marbles right. or diamonds, better yet. Um, we're Scooby-Dudes. Two best friends. Podcast. Talking about our favorite, favorite meddling kids. kids. Dumb, Dumb dog, dog. He, Lu- he, Evan. Me, Lukey. That's it. We we need to we we get so focused on the bit that we completely lose like the purpose of what an intro is supposed to be. I thought the intro was for bits. Is there another purpose to intros? Oh man, we're gonna have to. I should read a podcasting article someday. Two dudes talking about Scooby Doo. Two dudes just like you, unless you're a lady. Mm, this show is for ladies too. If you're LGBTQ, we are your Scooby Doos. So hey, welcome back. Thank you for enduring that introduction. A little bit of background on this series. It's called Scooby and Shaggy Do Get a Clue. Um, and unlike past shows, like for example, um, the Scooby and Scrappy-Doo show is not solely about Scooby and Scrappy, because that would be the worst. Yeah, it would be unbearable. Here, 
biggest thing is that Fred, Daphne, and Velma appear very briefly in very few episodes. This is also an episode, or rather, I'm sorry, a series with an overarching narrative of sorts? Yeah, it replaces all mystery, not maybe not all mystery, but episode-by-episode episode mystery with a long-running villain who's always trying to, uh, fo who Scooby and Shaggy are battling against, in a sense. They have to foil uh, his evil schemes and his evil plots. Um, if you want to start from the beginning, uh, season, sorry, I'm sorry, episode 9 was our first one, episode 25 was our second one, this of course is our third one. If you want to listen to them in order, that is how I would do it. And again, do not eagerly anticipate don't or rather don't anticipate the next one with too much eagerness it will be a while uh i let me just lay a little bit of groundwork for this show the stuff that happened in the previous two episodes we established shaggy and scooby-doo come into a fortune really shaggy does because his uncle albert is a world famous scientist inventor and he disappears because he's being chased by dr phineas fives who's the evil uh scientist guy who is the villain um, one other device besides the fact that Scooby and Shaggy are battling Dr. Fibes uh, with Albert's distant advice, there's magic Scooby snacks. Uh, and they bestow powers upon the dog that eats them. I guess the dog is always Scooby-Doo. It's, it's only going to be Scooby-Doo, and it doesn't work on humans, I don't think. They're also, like, made of metal or the like. They're basically stone or granite, but Scooby can eat them, and they give him a different random power every time. This is not explained in this episode at all. We're catching you up because they don't do it here. Yeah, they just assume that you are uh, really following things closely. Yeah, a, a hardcore fan. You're really following it very closely, yeah. Uh, and that's, that's really all we need to know. Should we just get right into this... Oh, can can, I, can we talk about the intro for just a sec, even though I know we've talked about it before? Uh, yeah, because honestly, I find it jarring every time. It is interminable every time. Every time the theme song for this plays, I have to check and see if it's not looping back on itself, because it never seems to end. I like their little dances. I like an intro in which the characters are interacting with one another in a way that goes beyond, no offense to be cool Scooby-Doo, but just them running around, or rather... There is a part in Be Cool Scooby-Doo, in, in the Be Cool Scooby-Doo intro, where they sway their heads to the music. And that's my favorite part. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, they're having fun with one another. That's my favorite part, too, yeah. And we're all together. It's like a sense of connectivity. So, so Scooby and Shaggy dancing is ni nice. I do like that. Although it is kind of a fever dream of dancing, like silhouettes rushing across the screen, and you can't quite tell exactly what they're doing. Um, and it, also, like, it's performed by Mark Mothersbaugh, from Devo, not necessarily. It could be Steve-O from Jackass, for all I can tell. Like, it's as if it's made to be annoying, is my big thing on the intro. I guess that's really all we ought to say about it before the episode itself starts in earnest. I'm really glad that you laid out all of the background, actually, because I would say that this story, or rather this episode, starts in media res. Oh, it really does. It starts in the... Uh, Luke Skywalker, Obi-Wan, you're my only hope moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Roby, who is uh, a butler robot, is you're my only hoping Scooby and Shaggy, which is to say that his head has opened up and a, um, I was going to say telegram, a hologram hmm. of uh, Uncle Albert is sort of giving them the lowdown as to what their next mission will be. Uncle Albert just says that Fibes, the evil scientist villain guy, is about to kidnap three scientists at a fancy country club. Go save them, Shaggy and Scooby-Doo. Uh, to clarify, he says that they're three of the world's leading scientists. And I will say that he does not clarify what their field of study is, 
and no one at no mm-hmm. point in this episode is it ever elaborated on uh they're really in the back, firm back seat of this episode you just need to know that they're leading in 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 the world scientist rankings they're in the top they're they're in the top three it's very it's a very competitive world of science don't you know and uh, like other little moments that happen in that intro, there's a giant burger. Is that what it was? I think so. But like Scooby pulls a giant um, green olive off of it and is about to eat it. And then Roby sucks it up with a vacuum, complete independent from anything else. Like it makes no sense. There's n- it ties in with nothing. I did not realize it was a giant burger. I think it was. Well, what's happening for our listeners is Scooby and Shaggy, Shag's like, all right, all right, Scoob. It, oh, we should say this. Oh, Shaggy's Terrible voice. Shaggy Thank voice. you for mentioning. It's awful. So awful. So bad. I hate it. It does not... It sounds... It's a really awful voice. Um, but he's just like, uh, hey, Scoob, let's go. And Scoob's like, but I'm hungry now. And so he plucks an olive. And I, for the life of me, did not know what he was plucking it out of. It. I found it exceptionally disturbing. It took the second watch. Because it just... It looks like, to me, a giant burger. Like, there seems to be giant lettuce in it. It's this moment that's so divorced from everything else and then Roby just shows up and says I will clean this for you and take care of the mansion while you are gone Roby Roo I like Roby Roby I actually find delightful and uh, was not in this episode enough but here it just doesn't make sense and this funny enough might be the least sensible part of the episode I if you I don't understand why you would pluck an olive from the burger why not take a bite of the burger or do we want to... Let's examine this all the way down. Why does a burger have green olives on it? Disgusting. Why is there a giant burger with giant olives here? If this is not a burger, what is it? Why... What is Roby Roo sucking into a vacuum cleaner for? Or is this just a nonsensical food gag? You know what? I think I landed on it. It was the latter. We cut from there to Dr. Fibes. Here... Okay, this is my favorite visual gag in the entire episode. And, and it, I think they really? come out strong right out the gate. I love it. It's um, Mine is much, much later in the episode, so I'm thrilled to hear this. This is great. We're, I feel like we're bookending this. Mm-hmm. Um, it is sort of like a, an overpass. Is that accurate? Because I don't drive. I don't know the names of things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like this gag, too. I think it is an overpass. Um, and there's It's like a spaghetti junction kind of highway. Yeah, sure. I, I guess. Um, again, I, I do know. not drive. <laughs> um, but it's it's one of those signs that indicate like how, how far in the distance things are. So it's like uptown. Two, I, I, two miles. They're in the states. Downtown, three. Fibes Fortress, six. And then it <laughs> zooms out, and it's like a regular city, but right above the city is like an evil villain fortress. Exactly like Mojo Jojo and Powerpuff Girls. I'm realizing now, like it's this menacing, massive structure that looms over the city that's just allowed to be there. No it's one cares. It's so funny. It's so funny. It's just, great because the way it they implies something. It. It implies something about the world that Dr. Fives is really permitted to do everything that he's permitted to do in plain sight. And that plays out in the episode that no one, it's like he's invisible, as are all of his henchmen. Uh, it's, yeah, that, the way, listeners, I will recommend watching, if not the entire episode, only that scene. Because I think it's, it's edited impeccably. I, I, I agree. I think there's some great moments in this episode. Listeners, I'd say watch this episode if you have someone to talk to about this episode. If you can, like, get it out there and process it. But don't watch it and sit on it, or it's going to fester into madness. You know, how about this? Listeners, pause this, watch the episode, and Luke and I, we will leave gaps in our conversation for you <laughs> to uh... respond to us. Hold on, hold on. Um, starting now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I uh, agree. That was really cool. Oh, wow. 
Evan, I, I have to say, I don't think they're listening. You said deposit, so they aren't, they aren't listening to any of this. They haven't heard it. <laughs> well, maybe, hang on, listeners, play it. Do you think they heard? They might not have heard that because it's paused. <laughs> There's so many constraints to podcasting. Podcasting is really complicated, people. Didn't you, don't, don't you know? Don't you know? Don't you know, listener? Let's give him a second to respond. Well put. Let's zoom into Dr. Fives' fortress um, where we see him petting a lion. He's kind of like, hey, look. This lion allows me to pet him. Do you know why? And why the king of the jungle permits me to dominate it? Dr. Trebla, uh, his top scientist slash right-hand man, is just kind of like, is it because you have the lion chained and also because you're feeding it hamburgers? Which is both the case we see upon a pan around. But let's say I would not pet a lion no matter how chained up and burger happy it was. Or how many burgers you gave to it. Like, also, Dr. Fives is not at the end of this chain. This is not like a dog at the end of his chain barking and you're just removed. He is deep within the radius the, of the, the chain. The chain has quite a bit of slack oh, to yeah. it. <laughs> He's lucky that when he does turn around, the lion just swipes off the back of his clothes. Like when he okay, I was going to say that he he's turned around. He's speaking to Doctor Trebla, mm. and and you you see the lion sort of rear up and swipe at his back, and I flinched for a little bit because I was all like, uh, Doctor Doctor Fives is dying now, <laughs> like like he's going to turn around and instead of as you mentioned the gag of him having the back of his clothing uh, gone and torn away, yeah. it, there's just rends in his flesh. I thought this was going to be like a free preview to the bodies exhibit. <laughs> like, I, I thought, and honestly, I thought at a minimum we'd see his butt. But we see the classic, what is it, like, hearts boxers, hearts boxers. he's wearing. Yeah. And uh, basically, what the he lays out his plan for the episode for us, and it's not a horrible plan. He's basically saying that he, instead of stealing technology is going to go straight to the source and steal scientists who can then create technology for him. Much like... Ooh, is there a parallel for this? Eh, what, what what was his name? <laughs> the villain in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen movie. Was that what he was doing? I You know, I like that movie. Actually, you know what? Maybe I'm conflating that with Captain America the First Avenger. <laughs> I have not seen that one, I have to admit. Uh, the Red Skull uh, kidnaps a bunch of scientists, right? I assume the Red Skull is looking for, like, reverse tanning technology. Um, but Dr. You think, <laughs> Dr. You think the Red Skull just uh, has, has a very bad sunburn? Is that not the case? Again, I have not seen it. That's just what I thought. <laughs> yeah, they, they just put um, Hugo Weaving out in the sun for a couple hours. He's a, a method actor, so he really did bake in order to get that role. <laughs> that was his makeup process. It really was, um, yeah. He Daniel day lewis it. It actually was the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Um, and what they did was they saved, they were making the scientists reverse engineer the Invisible Man potion and like the... And the Jekyll potion. The Jekyll the Hyde, Hyde potion. potion. And they were, they had their families locked away and were holding their families as ransom. Dr. Fibes has no such plan for holding their families hostage. He just wants to kidnap these people, get them to create technology for him that will maybe let him live forever. That's kind of his dream. I have to say... To be immortal. To be immortal. He's, he really would love to be immortal. It might be even... Like, go even further to the source, man. Invest in uh, public education such that more scientists are getting are created. They're given opportunities yeah. to develop. Encourage more young women in particular to enter the STEM field. And then maybe we can all be immortal. You know what? He probably doesn't want that. Um, before we leave Dr. Fives, we have... We do see where he's going to keep the scientists. And I love this little moment. He's not going to... Uh... As 
as the villain in The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen did, keep their families hostage uh, to make them work for him. Instead, he's going to provide them with... What is the word that he used? Hold on, let me check my notes. Um, in, 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 I think he says, like, living quarters or something. That, that are, like, befitting of their status? And it's, it's like a hamster cage with, like, the tubes and pipes running around it and stuff. I guess, now that I think about it, like a McDonald's play place. Yes! Oh my goodness! And maybe that's why we were supposed to not like it and be like, oh, these poor scientists, but I'm like, heck yeah, man! I love that! For kids, the target demo for this show, they would just be like, Lucky scientists! I want to be a scientist! This is amazing! Now, Evan, before we go to the next scene, if I could ask you a question... If there was one thing you could change about this show, what would you change? Because I have my idea. You know what the thing is? And and I think we talked about this a lot in our last episode. Mm-hmm. The one in the Alps or they're skiing or whatever. Fondue for Scooby-Doo, I believe. Yeah. I actually think that the premise is not that bad. And I think that if the writing was better, I would love it. I think that we really, that last episode, we really dove deep into like, what would make this better? Like maybe if... Um, the Russian assassin or whatever was kind of, like, attracted to... And then we tried to, like, write it in a way that wasn't, like, mm. painfully misogynistic. I um, No, I think it... We basically boiled it down to this show should be more like The Man Who Knew Too Little. And I have not seen The Man Who Knew Too Little. I would say, like, Johnny English or, like, Get Smart or My Two uh, Touch Points. like those, ex- except if the, the secret agent who's kind of buffoonish doesn't know that he's a real secret agent. And stuff is just kind of happening. That's the man who knew too little, is he thinks it's all a game. I think that's one way to go. Watching this episode, the thing I would actually change is the the protagonists are now Agents 1 and 2. Scooby and Shaggy are secondary characters who we see mostly from a distance. Amazing. That is fascinating. All the best parts of this episode were from Agents 1 and 2's perspective. Agents 1 and 2, for our listeners, were <laughs> our favorite parts of episode one the by far the best parts of episode one the reason episode two failed as hard as it did is that it didn't have them in it um agent one is is uh more by the book he just wants to get the job done he's a string bean straight man uh and agent two is a portlier fellow who also wants to get the job done but his own way on his own terms yeah he's kind of he's always exploring himself uh, as the episode goes, there is a very strong, easy parallel to be made to uh, the Venture Bros henchmen. It's very similar. And in this episode, Agent 2's thing is that he wants to be a ninja. Uh, so Agent 1 is a chauffeur. We are outside of the, let me look up the name that I wrote down, the Smarmington Briar Country Club. Um, this is where the three leading scientists are going to go to receive their award. So that's where the henchmen are going to go to kidnap said scientists. Agents 1 and 2 are here waiting. Their, uh, Agent 1 is in disguise as a... A valet. Agent 2, he's a ninja. It's not really clear why he wants to be a ninja. I kind of wish they said he'd just seen X movie, and now he wants to do that. I wanted a little buy-in there, but I do love him being a ninja. It almost feels like he does an accent. I don't think he does. And, and I actually found it a little, like, a little, little, little bit... I genuinely did find it quite funny. And this is as someone who tends to be very sensitive about this kind of thing. You found it quite funny, and did you, were you saying a little bit racist? Or not really? I think the most racist thing is he keeps quoting Confucian. Instead of Confucius. Not Confucius. Confusion, say. Confusion. Which, I, I get that we're supposed to take that as he's dumb. Not, he's not appreciating this culture. Yeah. And I like that he doesn't really do an accent. 
Um, he just kind of speaks with a certain gravitas and importance. Yes. But he does speak with broken English at times. And that part I was not crazy about. Like, he'll make a grammatical error that you're like, oh, he's trying to imply that... Is it when he... I, is it specifically in the context of, like, the Confucius quotes? It is in that context. Yeah. 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 Um, for instance, his first one is, Confucian say, time waits for no man, but makes a monkey out of many. Which, if you're an atheist like me, time really took monkey and made it into a man. <laughs> so... I don't think you little, have to be an atheist to believe in evolution. Evolution? I, you're right. You don't have to. Like, be. I think the Catholic Church, maybe not necessarily. Hmm. Let's stop. Let's forget the episode, man. Let's get into this. <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk about. Um... Let's figure this out. I was about to go into Bink Bushnell, my other favorite character in this episode. Oh, okay. I think I know what your favorite moment is. Yeah, you do, man. Well. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Scooby and Shaggy they pull up to the country club. It's they're playing, I guess, hip hop music or something. And Scooby guess, says, yeah. "Uh." What is what is the voice? Yeah, we're styling. I I can't. He says we're <laughs> he says we're styling, dude. Um, the mystery machine also in this in this series it transforms. They say we're gonna roll on in. They don't turn it into a limo. They turn it into a hovercraft. That's fine. Um, the club is members only. Do you say Biff or Bick? Bink Bushnell. So Bink Bushnell is the uh, the owner, the runner, runner. <laughs> The man who runs this country club, he says, hey, 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 you guys, it is members only. And then Scooby and Shaggy are just like, how much money? And they just pull out rolls of hundreds. And Bink Bushnell, who owns a high society country club, like, so he's got to be at least like a millionaire himself. He's got money rolling in, is the most easily bribed person I've ever met. Like, you could, you'd have more difficulty bribing your way into a medium range restaurant without a reservation. Reservation? Like, you know when you have to, like, really insult the guy who's, uh, who's uh, acting as bouncer to get you in? you got to razz your way in. That's, how, that's my way of doing it. I've got a reservation, you ugly loser. All right, enough. Um, <laughs> he, is, he is very easily bought. It is surprising how quickly he's just like, ooh, thousands of dollars? All yeah, right. Yeah, and ma- maybe it's that Scooby is dressed up so fancy, you know, with like the cufflinks. Uh, they have uh, matching outfits, I would say. Shaggy looks like he's going to an 80, 80s prom. Oh, absolutely. Scooby looks like he's going to his shift at Chippendales because, <laughs> as ever, when you when you put cufflinks on all legs, a bow tie on, and just the bib part of a dress shirt. It makes his nakedity all the more obvious. You reference Chippendales all the time. I know, even out of context. But here it is. It makes, I've referenced it, I think, exclusively regarding Scooby's partial dress wear. And you know what? Never once have you mentioned the Rescue Rangers. You know what? Honestly, it's because the Rescue Rangers are too sexy for me. I think that we don't want to bring that up to kids. Yeah. Gizmo? You know what? I am almost positive that we've talked about how attractive Gizmo is. Like, within our first five episodes. Like, I'm almost, I'm almost positive. I feel like even when we're not talking about it, we're talking around it. So they get inside. Scooby and Shaggy are now in, what was it, Smarmington Briar Country Club. Yeah, dog. I gotta say, I love that name. And they're, uh, they immediately see all three of the scientists. There is a little bit where, and, and this is kind of what we are talking about, where their bumbling ineptitude and general lack of awareness about their enemies leads to them foiling said enemies like um it is a little jarring and i've said that word too many times this episode to have agents one and two pull out weapons agent one has like a laser gun agent two has a sword which is demonstrated as being razor sharp 
True. Pull out said weapons and run at the scientists, which does not imply really that they're going to capture them, but more that they're going to murder them. Later in the episode, agent number one has to say to agent number two, don't kill them, we want to capture them. Uh, so Shaggy keeps um, pressing his little key fob and getting the mystery machine to like park itself and stuff, and it obviously like runs over or like hits or like, it, it, or the exhaust like blows in their faces, the agents, and it's a whole thing. The, mi- the mystery machine barreling people over autonomously or just with a press of a button is a huge part of this episode. Then they're in uh, the buffet area... He, there's a whole we haven't mentioned their real names but i do think that this is consistent with shaggy's character in that he gives people the wrong names like he did in the groovy ghost not too long ago exactly that we we have dr eisenhorn dr von putin and dr blantz or as shaggy says doctors spicy ham blintz and von pudding i'm impressed you got the wrong ones right nice and, uh, of course, they're a little, they're mildly offended by that, but they mostly ignore Shaggy and Scooby-Doo until the, the dudes, S and S, uh, think, oh, what if the food on the buffet table is poisoned? And I think that's a... Or has a knockout Has a knockout drug. drug in it, yeah. And I think that's a good setup to have Scooby and Shaggy-Doo urgently eat food off of other people's plates. That's comedically rich. I, I love it. It's, and it's, it's so funny because it's, they're just like, oh, what if there's a knockout drug? Mm. And they're solution is not to stop them from eating necessarily but to eat the food first <laughs> you say it. i didn't realize that they were gonna knock themselves out with this <laughs> they that were gonna take the bullet to me they never there's no acknowledgement of that fact but that is what would happen <laughs> they, they're not they're not like oh like our stomachs are so strong that like a knockout drug could never affect us they just which would be true <laughs> yeah it, it's certainly possible another funny exchange uh, takes place between is it eisen no. Oh, I, just scientists. I do not care. <laughs> I'm not. They're all... And this makes me think that maybe the creators of the show are anti-science. Every scientist we've ever seen on the show has been very ugly. So, so ugly. Um, even uh, Dr. Albert Shaggleford, Shaggy's uncle, um, I guess he's the best-looking one. He's the best-looking. He's the, the... Is it the pen or the teller? He's the pen. He's. I'd say he he's like the best pen. version of both of them. He's like he's he's tall. He's slim. He looks composed. He's got a little bit of a twinkle in his eye, but he he, he has a well kept, um, like beard and a ponytail. Which part of this is Teller? Is Teller the tall one, dude? We talked last episode. I don't know who's who. <laughs> I think Pen is the tall one. Pen is the tall one. I think Teller. He's got some of Teller's like boyish, uh, clean, not hideousness. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, there's no way this stays in. Ben, Penn and Teller are our biggest donors. Um, it is. Yeah, I just wanted. I just wanted to have this little sidebar and say. Oh that. no, no, sorry, you're right. He makes all the scientists super ugly, and we've had scientists before. They're comically unattractive. And I think I think it's. I don't. I don't want it on the other end of the spectrum where every scientist is a supermodel, i.e., the action movie. Yeah, I don't want this to be CSI no. in Miami. Yeah, or like, uh, or the new Transformers series where Marky Mark shows us that scientists can have uh, pasts of racist violence. <laughs> Sorry, no, it's fine. It's that great. Is... I want to put that in the show notes. I we've talked oh, about really? this. Oh, I'm definitely gonna put it in it. the show notes. Marky Mark is our other biggest listener, man. We can't keep doing this. Well, I can't take money from a racist. I'm sorry. Okay, can um, I can, can I jump to the point where? Um, the scientist lady goes to the bathroom and Shaggy's like, Scooby, don't let her out of your sight. And one of my favorite exchanges is when 
Agents one and two are talking while in the background, Scooby goes into the women's bathroom. We hear a classic scream and then he's booted right back out. That was a very kinetic scene. My favorite joke is actually Shaggy talking to one of the uh, very ugly uh, scientists, leading scientists, and him being like, oh yeah, uh, my uncle's Albert Shaggleford. And the the scientist is like, what? How can this be possible? And he's like, well, he's my mom's brother. <laughs> um, and it kind of becomes this thing where, like, the scientist is clearly saying, "Like, you're too dumb to be a genius's nephew." And Shaggy just being like, "Okay, obviously, as far as like being a blood relative, it is very logical." My other favorite joke here is as the Scooby being booted out of the bathroom thing happens, um, agents one and two are making a plan, and uh, agent one's like, "Oh, here, when." Uh, I'll, I'll go distract them with some tasty appetizers and lure them into the kitchen, and then you jump out and strike Shaggy and Scooby-Doo, like, decapitate them. And Agent 2 says, oh, I will strike with the speed and timing of a rattlesnake. Yeah, you do that. <laughs> I, and I also, I just love the dry follow-up of, yeah, you do that. The, the energy between Agents 1 and 2 is superior to anyone else's chemistry in the show. It's much better than Scooby and Shaggy's, way, which is painful way, to say. Way better, yeah. Um, um, you part. also can't, listeners, you can't see what we were doing. We were taking our, <laughs> our two fingers and sort of making a peace sign and then curving those fingers and Outwards. putting them in front of our mouths like fangs. Like fangs, like prehensile fangs that I now realize that's not how they work, but we... Also, do you, is it do people... This is jumping ahead a little bit, but can I settle this now? Do people have lower canines? No. I don't believe so. Because at one point, Agent 1 is looking on in frustration at something Shaggy and Scooby-Doo are doing, and he bites his upper lip with reverse, like, vampire fangs. Like an orc. Like an orc, exactly that. And I was like, wait, that's not normal. The the way they animate Agent 1's looks of anxiety and exasperation are the highlights of this show. Oh, it reminds me of kind of like amateur YouTube animation. I mean this in a positive way, where... They just keep adding more and more lines on a person's face and more and more until it's... It's almost like the hard zoom-in in an episode of Spongebob where it's so realistic, it's jarring and funny. Anyway, that the, the plan is... You you already laid out the plan. They say we're going to bait SNS, bait Scoob and Shag. Major points um, to the art team in that Scooby and Shaggy follow Agent 1 to the kitchen. The kitchen door is burst open. Agent 2 leaps out and, like, leaps at the three of them, which is, say, Agent 1, Scooby, and Shaggy. And it is this very stylized moment. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. It's silhouetted. We see it from the side. We see Agent We see Agent 2 connect with Agent 1, and then the both of them connect with Scooby and Shaggy, and then that mask goes pushing forward. Uh, uh, to say again, very kinetic, very physical. It's, it's great. You feel it's, it. It's really well, well animated, lovingly rendered, etc. Um, but then I don't understand the plan, which is to say that Agent 2, having kicked them, runs away. <laughs> He's a ninja, so I guess being out in the open, he wants to disappear. Agent 2 is demonstrated to be a not incompetent ninja. Like, he's got some skills, but he's pretty useless. Agent 1 then just approaches with a laser in hand, aims it at Scooby and Shaggy, and not for the first time, it's reflected off of a reflective surface, and it blasts a cake, which explodes. And that moment really made me feel what would have happened to Scooby and Shaggy had they been hit by it. 
Agent 1 then also runs away. Now, apparently no one saw Agent 1 or Agent 2, which again is a point in favor of their ninja skills, both of them. Because here's the thing, Bink is upset at Scooby and Shaggy. He's like, get out of here, we're booting you, look what you're doing, you're making a yeah, mess. I'm revoking your membership, I know you gave me thousands of dollars, but no, you can't be here anymore. He's just as easily bribed a second time, where they say, oh come on, please, 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 please here's some money. And he's just like, okay. Alright, I guess so. He him back in. Oh, I suppose so. Oh, I, I'm too, it's too fast. I was I, good. Savor the you. journey. <laughs> um, golf. If this is a high society episode, we got to see golf. It's, it's a country club, also a golf club. Agent One has a golf bag full of weapons. That's what he's going to use to, um, I guess, kill Scooby and Shaggy and capture the leading scientists. Yeah, he demonstrates an exploding golf ball briefly. Of course, it backfires and explodes on both of them. But what they are actually going to use is a knockout ball they intend to swap out with one of the scientists' balls once they're playing. But the reason Scooby and Shaggy are able to golf with the scientists, I think is pretty good. They're just like, if you golf with us, you can ride in our cart and we'll let you cheat. And as soon as they say that, the scientists are like, yeah. The scientists have a couple of great moments in this episode, despite being made hideous and not given much time to express themselves. But that's one of them. Um, there, it, there's this whole thing where they replace the ball with a knockout gas ball, and then Shaggy keeps hitting balls. But they, and this is weird, this struck me as bizarre and I didn't understand mm. it. The balls go into a bush where Agents 1 and 2 are hiding, and they get hit with the balls. And then it's like, six, seven, eight. Do you remember that? Ah, uh, dude, I don't know. I did not pick up on this stuff. Are you, you're watching it right now? I am. Okay. Uh, let me know when you get to that point. I feel like it's it's pretty nonsensical to me. Like the screen gets gets um, cut up into three panels, and each panel is a different shot of them being hit by a ball, and each panel is numbered in like big block letters six, seven, eight. I can't believe I missed this. This is bonkers. You're right. I, well, hang on. Sh here's the thing. Shaggy hits one ball, and it goes six, seven, eight off of one strike. Well, okay, here's my guess. My guess is that this is three holes of the course, and it, in each hole, they get hit by the ball. That's my best possible guess. I guess. But it's weird because we only see one strike from Shaggy. We see them like knock out of the bushes and then we see them like falling down a hill after the six, seven, eight, a shot of them getting each hit a different way with the golf balls. Some of the editing of this show is really hard to follow. This is where it's a little clunkier. I, I praised them earlier, but this is a little bit harder to, uh, to suss out what's happening. I just want to fast forward. There are a bunch more gags where the agents do a poor job of capturing them. Finally, and, and this I like, I like the idea that the agents would realize the best way to to defeat their, their foes, which is with food. Exactly. I love that they're learning, and uh, I love that they decided to do an ice cream truck as the honeypot, if you will. I don't know what ice cream trucks sound like in the States. No? But here, it would be like... What? What? What, what did it sound like in Thailand? What was that ice cream truck? Were, were there ice cream trucks in Thailand? You know what I mean? There were people who had, like, the motorcycle kind of... Yeah. No, there were motorcycle sidecar things. But, oh, my gosh. Don't you know that? It was like a, a Nestle or, like, Magnolia jingle. Uh, I, give me a second. I'm pretty sure it's... Doo-doo-doo-doo. 
ドゥルドゥルドゥルドゥルドゥルドゥ And that was yeah, like that synonymous with ice cream in Thailand. After, after school, when, when all of the vendors would pull up outside of the, outside of the school building. Yeah. Yeah. That is what you would hear. That is like,、uh, as, like gunshots in Detroit. It's the music of the city. Do you like that? Do you like、no. that reference? <laughs> <No> . <laughs>、um, I think.、Um, but I do love that they decided to do an ice cream truck because that is the perfect thing to lure Scooby and Shaggy in. Scooby and Shaggy go and. To said ice cream truck, they chase it, they are captured. The scientists. Oh, sorry, if I, if I may, when they're like, hey, can we go get some ice cream? Let's get you guys something for the scientists. They convince the scientists to have a.、Uh, that <laughs> one of the scientists is like, I, I want a rocket pop. Yeah, definitely. And that becomes like a sticking point for that scientist.、Uh, you know what I mean? I imagine a rocket oh, pop. Oh, I'm jumping ahead a little no, bit. No, no, it's fine. This is perfect. I imagine a rocket pop to be that classic popsicle where it is. Um, it was like red, blue, yellow. Red on top, white in the middle, and blue at the Ooh, bottom. Ooh, that's it. Yeah. To me, that is a rocket pop.、Mm-hmm. They, they're slightly different colored here, but it does have that rocket shape when we do eventually see it. The thing that I love most is that after Scooby and Shaggy run off and Bink shows up and is like, hey, scientists, we got to get back to the show, the scientist is like, I, I'm waiting for my rocket pop. <laughs> and Bink says, would you rather have ice cream or a million dollar grant? And there's a moment. Like、What the, if scientists are just like immediate gratification or delayed gratification? Delayed gratification is like the most important indicator of success and intelligence in life. And he's like, What do I want? What is it? And eventually he like sticks his hands in his pockets and goes and turns to follow Bink in like a disappointed huff. Best character moment in the episode for me. It was quite nice. I did like it.、Um, Scooby and Shaggy. Are placed within the ice cream truck. They're surrounded by crates of golf balls. All of these golf balls are explosive. And this is a little bit of something that we have seen in、um, Masked Mystery Mix Up when they were atop. I thought the exact same thing because、fireworks. they're captured by the villains. They're tied up. They're about to explode. Agent number two says, I'm sorry, my partner doesn't have like, the honor that I do. I would fight you, but he just wants to blow you up. Funny moment. I did like that. They're left with a ticking time bomb to explode while tied up in this little room. Exactly like Mystery Max Mix Up, except that this time they might not deserve it. Similar to episode one of this show, I thought where they were left in、um, a torpedo tube that was about to fill with water. Mm. Um, they were going to drown in that episode.、Um, I thought that they were going to utilize some of Uncle Albert's、uh, Super Scooby snacks. I thought so too. I, this is another moment where I thought the editing was really good, in that、yeah. um, the villains, Agents 1 and 2, say when the music stops, it's, this truck is going to explode and you're going to die. And so、mm. they're waiting in there, and the music is going, and it's going, and it's going, and it stops. And then we go from the inside of the truck to the outside of a truck, just far enough, framed just so that it looks like it's going to explode. You, 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 like they want to fit the whole explosion in. And, and they pause, they, they wait just enough beats that I was just like, oh, they're gonna, it's gonna explode. And if, listener, if you're thinking, well, you, you know it's a comedic moment, so you know it's not gonna blow up, you didn't see the looks on Shaggy and Scooby's faces. The kind of, what did I say? The, Grotesque display of cravenness <laughs> is like their faces are also contorting like an amateur YouTube animation and like tears <laughs> welling and teeth gritting and like, no! 
They, they, they scream. They, they scream because they think they're about to die. They really which is do. Reasonable. It's reasonable, but it's it's part of what makes this show s- such a tonal roller coaster. It, that was a weird. That was a weird moment. I didn't think it was funny. I just thought it was well timed. I thought it was funny only in the meta sense. Like I don't think they meant it to be funny in this way. Also, I just I have to say total uh, tangent. But Craven, one of our favorite words. Do you know that movie coming out with Jason Momoa called Braven? Ugh, what a terrible name. Such a bad name. Every time I see it, I think it's like a pun on Craven. You're not really Braven. You're Braven. <laughs> That's the most cowardly portion. I'm not Craven. I'm Braven. <laughs> it also sounds like a super posh white name for a douche kid. Ew, you're right. Yeah. This is my son, Braven. Yeah, I'm Braven. I'm trying to think of a good parallel. Like... I'm not cowardly. I'm powerly. <laughs> Thank you for making this tangent worthwhile. <laughs> Love that. They uh, Scooby and Shaggy attempt to suck in their guts to loosen the ropes, but instead they fall over. They hit the brake of the truck, and it careens through yeah, they the knock it into drive and so they start careening slopes. around we cut from there to the award ceremony and um bink is basically praising himself for hosting this award ceremony and so the scientists are back there waiting and behind the scientists are agents one and two who are also waiting um and I, we forgot to mention this the first time agent two showed up as a ninja but he has this great line where he says i am nowhere i am everywhere i am one with the way <laughs> of the ninja that's a great line. Not my favorite line that appears right here was the one that made me realize that agents one and two should be the protagonists. Agent number one says out loud, number two, where are you? Wow. The delivery is not far off from that either. It's, and you know what? He even says it later in this episode. No one says get a clue to Shaggy and Scooby-Doo at any point, let alone do they ask where each other are. Agent 2 is doing, like, ninja stuff, and it is dark. There are a lot of curtains, and he's so successful in his, in his ninja stuff, where, as you said, Agent 1 cannot see him and thus says, Agent 2, where are you? And it's... I love the fact that Agent 2 is sort of, like, relishing his ninja success to the point where he's just like, I will not unveil myself yeah, and show my partner where I am. He's unable to take it seriously. He's too far lost into his bit. Really, he's doing Daphne du jour's. You, We could think of him as that role in, in every episode where he appears. I also like where he, we don't see him on screen, or like right when we finally see him, he goes, Ninja. <laughs> he also does this kind of like Bruce Lee scream that grew on me the more that this episode went on because he does them regardless of whether or not it's appropriate to do so. <laughs> not just while attacking. Like, Bruce Lee did it while punching. Does it, yeah, because you're supposed, like, to, you're supposed to, like, um, make... Apparently, in Jeet Kune Do, that's, like, recommended, is that you make a sound when you're striking. It's supposed to help with your concentration. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I did not know that. I'm a lover. Also a fighter. Basically, one and two are trying to capture all the scientists. That... Before the curtain comes up, they do manage to net all over the scientists, just like they netted all over Scooby and Shaggy in uh, the first episode. Uh, They capture them, the ice cream truck, uh, oh! Ooh, before, 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 before! My favorite part of the episode. So, the series of events, 
Agent 2 does slice a rope that causes a net to fall on the scientists right as the curtain comes up showing the scientists on stage where Bink is already waiting to present them with the award. Now, when Bink sees Agents 1 and 2 about to kidnap the scientists, my favorite moment ensued. What does Bink do? He, like, rips his top off, like his nice suit, jacket, and shirt, and we see that he is ripped to... He's shreds. He's so stacked. He's really jacked. He looks, and, and not like in a gross way, but like in a nice toned way. He makes Brad Pitt and Fight Club look like the sea demons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to keep calling that back every time. But no, like Bink is, he's not just like ripped to heck. He's got like a wrestler's belt buckle. And he starts like, like kind of soft pawing the air a little bit, like getting ready to to tussle he, he has to like, like boxer footwork yeah exactly like that he's doing footwork and he's kind of like all right i guess i'm gonna have to beat the crap out of you now here we go uh and that's when the ice cream truck uh crashes in through the ceiling hits the stage and catapults bink out of the country club at which point he says like your memberships are revoked again he's like <laughs> team rocket he flies off his team rocket blasting off again is well that tears it your memberships are revoked uh, it's great it's, it's very short and it ends and that's that's how jokes should be it, it is exactly that although i do want to i wanted to see way more of bink uh so now we have scooby and shaggy do they're on stage the scientists are getting kidnapped <laughs> okay i'm sorry i just read my descriptions for what happens right before this and it's actually very funny lay it on me in that um agent one can't find agent two and Agent 2, out of the shadows, is like, Yatta! <laughs> and then, so he screams, and then Agent 1 screams, and then the scientists scream. It's <laughs> a great moment. I think it's Agent 1 drives off with the scientist. Agent 2 sticks around to fight Shaggy and Scooby and to hold them up. Shaggy and Scooby know they're in trouble, so they feed Scooby one of the magic Scooby snacks. And he becomes, uh, he becomes Magneto. Like, Magneto, but he can't control it. He can only, he's magnetic more than anything. It's kind of cool, like, initially, like, a fork of spoons fly and stick to Scooby, and then Agent 2's sword starts flying towards Scooby. Agent 2 believes that he is flying towards Scooby of his own accord. (laughs) (laughs) And we believe Scooby and Shaggy are about to be skewered on a shish kebab. Uh, one of a tray, I presumably the same tray that deflected the laser bolt earlier, has affixed itself to Scooby's back, so Shaggy turns him around. And, of course, the sword breaks off, bounces off the platter. They, I feel like this show uses platters on the level, the only other thing that's comparable is a Jackie Chan movie. Yeah. Um, Agent 2, his sh- his sword shatters on Scooby's mm. uh, back tray. <laughs> oh, I love this. Um, and he's so impressed by that little maneuver, he, before he gets into the evil mystery machine van to abscond mm. with his partner in crime, he turns around and he does a little bow, and then another little bow, and he says, uh, the ninja powers are strong in you, young dog. And then he bows again, and then he leaves. <laughs> and once, once Scooby uses his magnetic powers to catch up to the evil van, and, uh, and they start climbing over it, and Agent 2 sees Scooby, once Shaggy's already saved all the scientists, he begs Scooby to become his sensei. Ah, uh, sensei dog, teach me, please. <laughs> and then when Scooby says no, he does the kung fu yell. <laughs> in pain. But this time, yeah, it's it's like it, he's in grief. He's not... It's anguished. Yes, thank you, yeah. perfect. It's not like I'm fighting you, it's like I'm sad. The, the evil mystery machine then barrels over a cliff and launches itself into Dr. Fibes' evil fortress, crashing in the living room, and of course... One and two are in trouble again. 
Uh, they have to hide from the lion in the hamster maze, or the play place, as we uh, described it. And that's the end of the episode. That's the full episode. It's a very abrupt ending. Here's one thing that I did want to um, touch on. Uh, because I know that you've talked about, what was it? There was a show where there were, it felt like there weren't enough characters living in the world, and it gave you a sense of existential dread. Uh, yeah. Uh, this is, I call it almost like Donkey Kong Country Syndrome. Or not Donkey Kong Country, Donkey Kong... Is that the name of... Give me one second. It, that was the name of the show, yeah. Can I just confirm real quick? Unless you're certain? I am 100% okay. certain. Uh, but yeah, for me, that's Donkey Kong. No, Donkey Kong Country was the game, I think. Donkey Kong Country was the name of the show. Really? I mean, you can look it you up. Are, I feel... You are... No, it's actually Donkey Kong County. Funny enough. What? I'm kidding. No, no you... <laughs> Alright. Uh, but no, Donkey Kong Country... Um, was a show in which the Donkey Kong clan consisted of, like, four people and no other creatures in the world. And they were on an island where the only society was enemies. And so it felt, yeah, it gave me a sense of existential dread and isolation. Like, it's almost like being in purgatory forever. Hmm. And I will say that in terms of this particular episode specifically, there are literally no unnamed characters. Do we see any... I mean, in the in the initial, like, banquet table scene, I think there's some... No. no. I, I mean, you can you can fact-check me, but I remember all of the shots are angled such that you only see either the scientists or Scooby and Shaggy. That's amazing. And even at the award ceremony, there's the implication, or they're implying that there is a large audience because there's clapping and applause, but we never see the audience. You're right. I mean, the audience was a conspicuous absence for me, but for some reason, in my mind, that was a populated banquet room. Like, they managed to, I don't know if it was the sound work or what, but they managed to convey that to me, or I just gave them the benefit of the doubt. There's there's never anyone else. Like, even, even when Scooby and Shaggy, like, pull up and they drive, the only people around are the scientists, Bink, and the two agents for throughout this entire episode. You are completely right. There's nothing. It's... It does feel like a closed world. This doesn't go to Donkey Kong Country territory for me because in each episode we meet new people, but really they're just different versions of hideous scientists. Hideous, stupid geniuses. And again, the most, the, the actual culture, the actual thriving society is just within the enemy camp. Dr. Fives has a whole family, a whole nation of henchmen. <laughs> Don't call Dr. Fives henchmen his family. That's like the saddest thing I've ever heard. It is, but it kind of is. How does this rank out of the three that we've seen, the two to the others that we've seen so far? I think the first episode was the best. I agree. Uh, because it got genuine, like, belly laughs out of me. Um, I think the first one also had the most to do with Agents 1 and 2, who, again, should be the protagonists of this show. We don't even have to cut Scooby and Shaggy out. <laughs> Agent 2, where are you? Said twice! He says it twice! That could be the name of their show. Agent 2, where are you? Agents 1 and 2, get a clue, even, is good enough for me. Agents 1 and 2. Agents 1 get and 2, a clue. get a I clue. Like, there is nothing I would not like better if it were about them. Uh, I think that... I, I think it's comparable to the first two episodes. It's interesting we had nothing to do with um, Fives wanting to get something of uh, Shaggy's uncles, Dr. Alberts. Um, so it's kind of like Shaggy and Scooby are trying to foil Fives without Fives caring about them too much in return. Which I thought was going to be the direction. And, and in fact, I would say that this is the episode in which Dr. Fives t 
takes a back seat. He is in almost none of the episode, actually. He bookends it, really. He's at the front and then the back and not in between. Whereas normally, he's at least dialing in to the agents while they're on the job. Do you but like I, that more or less? Less vibes. I like it when agents one and two have established stakes throughout the episode by like, hey, why isn't it working? Hey, catch these guys. Hey, if you don't do this, then I'm going to throw it, feed you to my lion. I think that gives them a sense of urgency and uh, kind of propels their actions forward a little bit, even though I think Dr. Fives is one of the weakest parts of the show. And that says something. Um, but, uh, I mean, really, I think Agents 1 and 2 can carry it. Yeah, they're great. I hope they appear in every episode. I do as well. And that, my dear friend and dear listeners, was Shaggy and Scooby-Doo get a clue, High Society Scooby. Can you do a disappointed, like, I think of that as like a, a wealthy dowager is the voice that I think that you're doing. The... So a disappointed, instead of intrigued, ooh. Yeah. A disappointed, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> My son just told me he's going to marry a mere duchess. Oh. <laughs> Get it? It's the opposite. It's the reverse of the way we started the episode. <laughs> it's really hard. And I guess it's what Scooby does. Oh, that's why Scooby is a dog of the people. He's the opposite of an oh. He's a oh. Or maybe that's the, Tim Allen. It's Tim Allen I'm doing now. <laughs> You're doing the Tim <laughs> Allen grunts? I am. <laughs> he's the opposite of an old dowager. Oh, man. He, he's a real proletariat. Member of the proletariat. He is. As are we. We're dudes of the people, people. And we were excited to uh, share that episode with you. There were some ups and downs. It was a little bit of a roller coaster. But now, this roller coaster is uh, pulling into the station. Yep, everybody, get off. We've got new people to line up and uh, and get back into it. Uh, let's tell people where they can... I don't... Okay, dude. To our listeners, I don't know how roller coasters work. Luke, Fine. Is, Luke, as he speaks, is squinting and shaking his head at himself. You're better than this, Dodie. He's frowning. Evan deserves better than this. You deserve better than this, Dodie. The listeners don't deserve anything, I know, but come on. Here is what you should do, listeners. You've listened to a great episode, you want more, but hey, you're done doing your laundry, you're done with your workout, you don't have more listening time, but maybe you've got some follow-up time available. Maybe you can get on your computer and you wanna get some extra Scooby Dudes content. We'll tell you how you can do that. Maybe you want to be our 100th Facebook like. That'd be great. We've been at 99 for a very long time. Oh, uh, I really wanna get the trippy digi. So go on Facebook, facebook.com slash ScoobyDudes. You'll get extra content. You'll get to be our hundredth like. Um, click now. Be our hundredth like. You'll get a million dollars. And in addition to Facebook, some other easy ways you can I'm follow. sorry, there's no, there's no caveat? There's, no. You're not going to undercut that at all? They're no. Just, they're going to get a hundred dollars? It's good. Sorry, did you say a hundred or a million? I said, a, I said like a million, at least. <laughs> no, I don't want to undercut that, man. In fact, I'll underscore that. You'll definitely get a million American dollars. Like, over, over the course of their lives while working a full-time job. Well, you can choose to get it in a lump sum, but you'll only get, like, 70% of that. Or if you want to get it as an annuity, you'll get the whole thing over a longer period of time. But if you invest it, you'll still get, like, good... You'll, the interest will make it even more worthwhile. Evan, you're getting... Now you're squinting at me. So... 
uh, go ahead and write us a review on iTunes. I think we're still working our way up to our full... Uh, don't wait, do we have our Canadian rating? I don't think we have a Canadian rating yet. We're pretty if you're close. In Can- if you're in Canada, write us an iTunes review. If you're not, also write us an iTunes review. Uh, make it five stars, and I will read it. He'll read the whole thing on air. We've done it before. We'll do it again. Twitter, at the Scooby Dudes. The one and only the Scooby Dudes. Follow us on Twitter. Go check out our cool tweeties. <laughs> No? Evan, do you not want people to check out our cool tweeties? <laughs> uh, I think people can do whatever they want. For example, if they want to email us, they should send us an email at scoobydudespodcast at gmail.com. If they, want to, uh, if they want to visit our website, they should go to scoobydudes.com. Straight up, scoobydudes.com. We got the domain. I have been going through reading some of our old captions on screenshots. There's some really great stuff in our archive. Also, you've done the archive so beautifully, it's really easy to find any episode that we've done so far. You can search all of our episodes by the series, which I th- and it's mm. in chronological order too. I think that that was a, a logical way to set it up. So if you go to our website, go at the top, under archives, click by series, and you will be able to see all of that. Yeah, you can see show notes, you can see corrections, you can see links to YouTube videos that we've referenced in the episode. Five minutes extra of your time on our website will enrich any episode of our podcast. So go to ScoobyDudes.com. Also, we run no ads, so it will benefit us not at all. Yeah, uh, it does nothing for us. This is just for you listeners. Here's something. When you visit our ad- our website, turn off ad block. You don't need it. Or keep it on. It makes no difference. <laughs> it doesn't. I just like the idea that they can experience our content without protection. Do you think it feels better to them? Without the protection. <laughs> Lastly, go to patreon.com slash scoobydudes. We will give you a shout out if you donate money to us on a monthly basis. A big old shout out the first time, a recurring shout out every subsequent week because you give us recurring donations. So patreon.com, get that extra exclusive content just for people who help support our podcast. By the way, the money goes to pay for original Scooby-Doo art that appears on our website. We always want to keep the creative Scooby-Doo juices flowing uh, through the artistic community. So, patreon.com. Go there. Donate. Be like one of the people we're about to shout out. Yeah. Thank you to those guys. Uh, lastly, uh, you mentioned our artists, or rather that we commission art. That's where all of our money goes to. Our artist right now is, her name is Tam. Go to her Tumblr, TNT Dynamo, which is a great name. TNTDynamo.tumblr. She's also TNT Dynamo on Twitter. So yeah, yeah, check out her stuff. Uh, she's very talented. We get incredible artists on the podcast. We really do. They're amazing. Uh, so support Tim Tam over here. And also... Uh, Don't call her Tim Tam. Tim Tams are delicious. Okay, that's a compliment. I just want to like, I just want to bite the top of her and then bite the bottom of her and then suck coffee through her, you know? <laughs> a Tim Tam slam. Tim Tam slam. Yeah, exactly. This, I don't know what this is. <laughs> I don't know if this is staying or going, but we've got to go, listeners. We've kept you as long as we can keep you. Uh, thank you for joining us. Evan, thank you for another fun podcast with me. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs>